Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. This program is being pre-recorded for Friday, October 9th, 2020. Right now it is Thursday afternoon, and we have our friend Dasho here once again to discuss the alt-right Jews and sodomites, because the alt-right is just saturated with Jews and and perverts. At Christagenia, we have been disparaging the alt-right for a long time. We feel it is our obligation, whenever we get an opportunity, to warn our fellow identity Christians and Christian nationalists that dissident right-wing political or social voices are not always what they seem to be, and that quite often they are even traps. They entice people into following them through appealing books and articles on subjects of common interest, such as the quite popular American Renaissance books, The Color of Crime by Edwin Rubinstein, or Why Race Matters by Michael Levin. Both of those books were actually written by Jews, and Jared Taylor has defended Jews consistently throughout the entire history of his tenure at American Renaissance, or AMREN, as it is called. But a 2005 PDF copy of The Color of Crime did not bear the name of its Jewish author, whereas an updated 2016 edition boldly displays his name on its front cover. Perhaps during those 11 years, Taylor had become more open about the fact that his organization supports and is evidently supported by Jews. An early Richard Spencer mentor is... Paul Gottfried, who is credited with supposedly coining the terms alt-right or alternative right and paleoconservative. Gottfried is also a Jew and has had much influence on Spencer, especially in his early years. Edward, Edwin Rubinstein is also a current and regular contributor to another supposedly white nationalist website, vdare.com. And Paul Gottfried had also contributed a handful of articles to that site each year through 2019. Michael Levin, the Jew who wrote Why Race Matters, is also promoted by vdare. But as always, with Jews come sodomites. The Jews the most notable of the descendants of the ancient Canaanites, were the original producers of Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, their proclivities for perversion have not changed over the course of time. So today, we are going to talk about another group which is quite prominent in alt-right circles, a group which has already been labeled as Greg Johnson's Gay Mafia. Johnson is the publisher of the website countercurrents.com, and he has written books that appeal to white nationalists, which have titles such as White Identity Politics 
and the White Nationalist Manifesto. Jared Taylor is billed on Rational Wiki and elsewhere as the intellectual godfather of the alt-right. His own website, amren.com, bills itself as America's foremost white advocacy publication. In reality, it is a haven for Jews and sodomites and all those who tolerate them. Evidently, Taylor thinks far too much of himself. But he appears with the sodomite, Greg Johnson, at alt-right events and in certain nationalist forums quite often, even in diverse places in Europe. Taylor, Spencer, Johnson, and others all constantly promote and support one another, and that in turn helps to lead and contain nationalist-minded whites in their own rabbit hole. In addition to this, other influential and supposedly right-wing websites, for example, Kevin McDonald's Occidental Observer, and the Jewish-run Breitbart.com frequently mention Taylor, Johnson, Spencer, and Donovan all as leading white nationalists, thereby ensuring that inquiring whites are corralled into alt-right circles that are really safe havens for Jews and faggots. But I don't know if Johnson was the original alt-right sodomite, because, literal, because Richard Spencer was literally shacked up with this other sodomite, Jack Donovan, for many years. Donovan has also been promoted by Amren, American Renaissance, by Taylor, where he is billed as a tribalist and masculinist. But Johnson, who operates the website countercurrents.com, is considered to be the leading intellectual, or really pseudo-intellectual, alt-right sodomite today. And he certainly does seem to be the enforcer for maintaining a positive public attitude towards the so-called gay community among alt-right figures and their followers. Aside from these and the obvious sodomites like Milo Yiannopoulos, the alt-right figure who calls himself Millennial Woes is also a professed sodomite. Millennial Woes gained popularity on YouTube, and he was then promoted among the alt-right by Richard Spencer, Jared Taylor, and Greg Johnson. He is often featured at Amren, at Countercurrents, and at VDare, and he was also featured on Mike Enoch's The Right Stuff and at Spencer's National Policy Institute. The truth is that white nationalists are never going to have any success as long as they embrace devils or the sins which are promoted by those devils. The only solution to be found is in a return to our God and to his word. When we support these other groups, when we frequent their events, when we promote their articles or share their websites, we are also supporting their sins. So I call all of these supposedly intellectual clowns pseudo-intellectuals because unless you are Christian identity, unless you are an identity Christian, 
all of your intellectual pursuits are in vain until we realize the importance of the laws of Yahweh God and how keeping his commandments is the only way to uphold a healthy white society. We will never agree on anything and we will never have any success as a race. So identity Christians must avoid any of these alternative right organizations and their websites and their publications and all of these clowns who support them. So here once again we have our friend Dasho with us who will discuss and help to quantify all of these interlocking alt-right relationships and how this Greg Johnson imposes and enforces his own code of ethics among these other secular so-called white nationalists. Hello, Dasho. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Bill. It's great to be here once again. I think that's one of your longer introductions, but, uh, but here we are. Well, well, I'm uh, sorry. That's because we delayed doing this podcast for about two hours, and I needed things to do and added about three <laughs> paragraphs, right? I'm that's, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's perfectly fair. I don't, I don't blame you. And before we, before we get really started in on this, uh, I want to say two things. And the first thing is I'd like to apologize in advance to all of your listeners because the subject for today is not going to be pleasant. We will be talking about things in a very frank manner that uh, don't have a place in polite society, but uh, sometimes you have to get your hands dirty. So I apologize in advance for that. Maybe don't listen to this while you're eating. Uh, and the second thing I'd like to bring up before we get into this is, um, and Bill, this, this is not on you. Um, this is just a limitation of the medium we record these in. But uh, the, the last podcast we made, um, I was actually operating – I when, when Bill plays a recording of somebody, like a clip, I can't hear it because it's on his end. So I was largely operating off of memory about uh, – because I listened to all those things before uh, – about a week before that podcast was aired. I, I knew what was being referred to, but I, I couldn't hear the exact words that were being said, and I did not remember the exact words that were being said. Listening to that podcast again, I, I was a lot angrier than I was when we recorded it. I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. Musonius Rufus is a son of a bitch. I had forgotten how much uh, he kissed Mike Enoch's ass. I, I really did. And uh, I just want to say, just, just to get it out of the way, uh, Musonius, you are no son of the South, and you're not a Christian either. So uh, I, I, I just have to get that off my chest because I, I was... I was real mad listening to the recording of that podcast when we got to near the uh, the last third of it. I I had forgotten just how blatant the uh, the softballs were that they were pitching to Mike when he was trying to talk his way out of being of of, uh, of accidentally doxing himself as being a Jew. Well, so, well, that's that that's also a talking point that I have here today. If if you don't bring it up, I was going to right. I, I mean, I did sit and listen to a few podcasts that you would refer me to to help quantify some of this um, some of this material that you're going to present. And Eusonius Rufus came up a few times in that podcast. And it's one of the talking points that I have. His defense of Mike Enoch, his softball pitching to Mike Enoch during the Yid wife crisis, which really should have been a Yid Mike crisis. Well, well... <laughs> That, that 
is not his only sin, and and we should probably save it for later. Maybe you already plan to bring it up, but yeah, that's not. Uh, I didn't. I didn't plan to bring it up. I have. I have. A, as I think I mentioned on the last podcast, I have a history with Masonius Rufus because we were both on the Southern Nationalist uh, group on TRS, and I would always argue with him because he and I didn't see eye to eye on just about anything. So if you if you want to take a five minute. Uh, Quick, quickie before we get into talking about Greg Johnson and all the fun that's going on with countercurrents. If you just, if we just want to trash him for a minute, I'm perfectly fine with that. Well, well, it seems that Musonius Rufus, when the right stuff and Mike Enoch were featuring, like, like first they have Ghoul, right? They still have Ghoul, the Ghoul problem, right? And he's yes. a sodomite, right? And I know you're going to talk about Ghoul, but then yes. they they were featuring Greg Johnson, and he's a sodomite. And they were featuring millennial woes, and he's a sodomite. So the right stuff is in bed with all these sodomites, and these former right stuff podcasters were offended by this. And even though that, even though that issue alone did not cause them to leave the right stuff, they actually left the right stuff upon the revelation that Mike Enoch was a Jew married to a Jew. And, and the Yid wife crisis, right? That's when they left. But they were still offended by the right stuff and, and its um, embrace of these sodomites. And Musonius Rufus was systematically defending the right stuff for, for its degenerates, for being in bed right. with all these degenerates. No, I mean, Musonius Rufus has come out in defense of sodomites. He's come out in defense of Jews. He's come out in defense not just of Jewish nationalism, which is Zionism. He's come out in defense of the Jewish diaspora as well, that Jews have a right to be in our countries. They have a right to be in our countries, and we don't have a right to kick them out. And he's come out against, uh, against repatriation, which is, I think, one of the most basic talking points of Southern nationalism in general, which is, listen, maybe, maybe we don't all hate niggers. Maybe that's okay, but they have to go back, right? This, this, the race mixing isn't working out. We hate them, and they hate us. So let's, you know, let's send them back. Let's, let's send them all back to Africa, and they can make their own countries there, far away from the white devil, and we can have our countries far away from them. He's come out against that and says we don't, we don't have a right or any, or any reason to, to remove them either, or to, or to send them back, or, or ask that they leave. So. I don't really know what Musonius Rufus is because he, he can't call himself a Christian, even though he claims to. He can't call himself a Southern nationalist either because he's not Southern and he's not a nationalist. I actually just found that out recently when I was doing some research for this. I, I bumped into some stuff about him, kind of like how you ran into some stuff about him because he's sort of the go-to announcer for the stuff they, they when they need stuff done these days. I, I didn't realize this. He's actually a Yankee. He moved to the South. Uh, he used to live in a city. He, he didn't say what big city, but it was a big city in the North. I have a suspicion that it was uh, somewhere in, in, in the New York or the, or the main area. But um, he's not even from the South. So, <laughs> I mean, every, every part of the identity he claims to possess is a lie. That's incredible. I, I mean, it, it's no secret that I, I was raised a Yankee, right? I was born in Virginia, but I was born to Yankee transplant pa transplant parents. That's no secret. And I was raised a Yankee. I don't try to hide it. That, I'll do my best not to hold it against you, Bill. <laughs> but but Musonius Rufus, you, you know, to me, one of the original Southern nationalists, James Monroe, that that idea about repatriating the blacks 
to Liberia. I don't know if that was James Monroe's idea, but he embraced that. And for that reason, the capital city of Liberia is called Monrovia in his honor. And, and that's how old the repatriation plan was. Yeah, it's it's been on the table for over a century now at this point. It's it's been on the table for a while as a proposal to deal with the problems and nobody nobody wants to commit to it because of course uh, making making not just America but any western country wider is is not in the plans, right? Evidently uh, not yet. It's in the plan. It's just not in the plans of the internationalist corporations and Jews. No, it's it's in God's plans. It's yes. it's not in the plans of the princes princes uh, of this world, of the rulers of the great spiritual darkness. But it is in God's plans. We'll we'll get around to that eventually. But there's going to be some hell to pay before we get there. Well, well anyway, from what I understand, and I really don't know as much about him as the little I know about Musonius. But Seventh Son also was quoted as having said that TRS had a lot of homosexuals at the start, implying that they were gone while Ghoul and Greg Johnson were still there. So evidently there were many other degenerates in, in that um, founding crew at, at the right stuff. Well, there were because the rightstuff.biz did originally start as a libertarian enterprise and it became – allegedly became more extreme and more right-wing over time, although as, as we can clearly see with the stuff we covered in the first podcast, that's largely a lie, right? Um, but yeah, uh, as, as we will be discussing, uh, those, those gay people didn't just go away, all of those sodomites. They, they are still around, and they are still writing articles and participating in podcasts and telling people what they're allowed to think. So I guess that's probably as, as good of a transition as we're going to get. Let me ask you before I, before I start going down my notes. Bill, what do you know about Greg Johnson? Are you familiar with him? Have you, have you ever met him? Have you ever met nope. him? I, I don't know anything about Greg Johnson, except that I've always kind of known about countercurrents, but I've only been um, involved in, in the internet world of white nationalism since 2009, right? I, I mean, I spent 12 years in prison studying white history, if we want to put it like that, and, and scriptures and all that. And... and I had no access to the internet. In, in 2009, I, I, or shortly thereafter, I first saw um, countercurrents.com, but I learned almost immediately, perhaps it was from content at countercurrents, that this Greg Johnson was a sodomite. So I understood that he was promoted by Jared Taylor, but I never liked Amren or... or, or, or um, Jared Taylor either, or, or any of the people that he promoted. So I never really paid Greg Johnson much attention. But I also didn't understand the amount of influence that he had in all of these other alt-right groups. I didn't understand that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Greg, jo uh, Greg Johnson uh, has had influence with the uh, Cascadia groups. He has influence over TRS. Uh, he's been involved with the NPI, the National Policy Institute. Uh, he has involvement with American Vanguard. He's involved with Identity Dixie. And he's also involved with two, two groups that are regionally based. They're not necessarily associated with the right stuff, but they have associations with them, right? They're not 
of the rightstuff.biz, but some people are in both. One is called the New York Forum, which is a group of, uh, of white nationalists and members of the alt-right who are in the northeastern part of the continental United States. And then there's the Northwest Forum, which is, of course, associated with Harold Covington. Uh, he has influence and he's done things for all these people. Uh, he's He shows up to events, right? He's everywhere. He's giving speeches. Uh, he shows up and gives talks. But nobody knows who he is, right? He's always giving these speeches on nationalism and he's always making this commentary on reactionary politics. And no one knows who he is. No one knows much about him. And today, I mean, that's our goal. We're going to talk about Greg. We're going to reveal exactly who he and all of his friends are and what they get up to. And we'll also be talking about Ghoul from TRS a little bit later on in the podcast, which I'm sure will be fun for everyone. But, uh, but Greg Johnson, Greg Johnson is an, interesting, is an interesting figure, right? He claims, and this is important, he claims that while he is gay and feels no attraction to women at all, he realizes that homosexuality is degenerate, and thus he is celibate. Now, that's a lie, and we can prove that. He wrote an article uh, called "Gay Panic on the Alt Right." It's on his it's on his uh, his site, and in fact, I'm going to be referring to a lot of things from his site. So when you when you post this bill, you maybe post a link in the description to countercurrents because just like we, I don't have a lot of recordings of the, him saying things because he doesn't come on podcasts at all, but uh, we do have a lot of his writing. So I'll let I'll let his own written words hang him. Right? We can we can make reference to all <laughs> these articles and comments that he's written on his own website. He wrote an article called "Gay Panic on the Alt Right," where he coined a term called the hermeneutics of gay suspicion, which is, which is a $5 phrase, in which heterosexuals have a knee-jerk reaction to sodomy and faggots. Greg Johnson calls this gay panic and claims that it weakens the movement. Greg Johnson himself admits that there's only two solutions to it. You either get rid of all of the faggots or you stop caring about them. So, so right gay- there, I'm sorry, right there we have an alternative seemingly intellectual way to cry homophobia. That's all it is. Yeah. Hermeneutics of gay suspicion is just a $5 way of saying uh, you're, you're homophobic. You're, you're absolutely right. He claims that getting rid of all sodomites is impossible for practical reasons and because the presence of a sodomite is not actually necessary for a gay panic to occur. The mere rumor or accusation of one is enough which I will concede is technically true. He's right in saying that. Ergo, he concludes, the only logical and moral thing to do is to stop caring about sodomites and sodomy and to accept them. This is the foundation that he pitches his tent on and where he defends his claim that everyone who's opposed to sodomy and sodomite culture is backwards and stupid and hindering the movement. Now, it's, it's, it's awfully convenient, I think, that, his, that his, his very intellectual and well-worded conclusion is, at the end of the day, you should tolerate me and that you can't do anything about me. Right. Do, you, do, you have any, do you have any comments on that, Bill? Well, well you know, I, I do. Um, sodomites, well, Christians are demanded to separate themselves from sinners and to put unrepentant sinners out of their community. And, and as Christians, we should uphold the laws of God, even if we ourselves are imperfect, right? The law is still the ideal, and we should acknowledge that the law is the ideal. And a man who lies with a man as he would lie with a woman shall die. That's the law. So that's the standard. Even if we don't go hanging sodomites, 
like we should, even if we can't do that in the current political climate, we must separate ourselves from them and we can't accept them and we can't accept their sin. Accepting their persons, if you understand the scripture, Romans chapter one and, and Leviticus chapter five and elsewhere, accepting their persons, we are accepting and approving of their sin. Even though it's an indirect approval, it's nevertheless an approval. We cannot do that as Christians. So this cry of homophobia, you know, Greg Johnson, I had looked at the same article this morning in preparation for this podcast. Um, this is a couple of other articles. I saw one as early as 2010 where Johnson is advocating um, the acceptance of sodomites in, in the white nationalist movement. So this gay panic on the alt-right is sort of late, but it reflects um, beliefs that he's always espoused. His intellect is not honest. He said in that article that there is no point worrying about homosexual entryism, meaning homosexuals joining the white nationalist or alt-right movement, because they are already inside. And he said, when I first arrived on the white nationalist scene in the year 2000, it was apparent that a number of discreet and open homosexuals like Martin Webster were already well ensconced. Now, Johnson is using the presence of Martin Webster to, to uphold his own position on sodomites in the alt-right. But Johnson neglected to mention that the British so-called neo-Nazi Martin Webster felt the need to retire from nationalist politics, which he did, after mere rumors of his sodomite tendencies had surfaced in the mid-1980s. Those rumors surfaced and Martin Webster was out of British nationalist politics. He re-emerged in 1999. And when he re-emerged, it was only to claim that he had a sodomite affair for four years with Nick Griffin, who at the time was the newly elected leader of the BNP, the British Nationalist Policy. So apparently, Webster only came back into the public life hoping to discredit Griffin, making claims which Griffin denied. And Johnson uses this slanderer to legitimize his own participation in right-wing politics. Now, lately, this Martin Webster, he's still around. He's writing articles for the Occidental Observer. And he has appeared <laughs> often at Johnson's countercurrent websites in articles and podcasts. So here's a, 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 a um, formerly disgraced sodomite who reappeared just to slander Nick Griffin. And, and now he's a, an alt-right hero, practically, or an alt-right intellectual figure doing yeah, podcasts with Greg Johnson. And, and writing for Kevin McDonald. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> and as we as we will touch upon a little bit later, uh, countercurrents is could could be summed up as being just the the circle of sodomite friends that uh, that Greg Johnson has. It it is going to be a recurring theme that uh, that his that people he favors for other reasons besides their 
their, you know, their, their principles or their, their, their intellectual purity will, will be, will be posting things on his website and being featured as hosts. We're going to talk about James J. O'Meara in a little bit, but, uh, but that's, that's not surprising. It's, it's essentially a platform for him and his friends, people he approves of. Right. Uh, so there is, there is something interesting about Greg Johnson. And this is actually the reason I asked you, uh, rather, rather, you know, a little bit, a little bit subtly at the beginning of this, if you'd ever run into him, because I was curious if you had, because there's something strange about Greg Johnson that you'll start to notice as you do any research on him. If you try and look things up about him, if you try and find out who he is and what he stands for, which is that there are no pictures of Greg Johnson. Uh, this is interesting because Greg Johnson is critical of people who operate anonymously. He claims on his website and in his writings and in his, his talks that it is unnecessary and he insults everyone who operates behind a pseudonym or a nom de guerre. However, and I mean, obviously my name isn't Dasho, right? However, in spite of the fact that Greg Johnson is his real name, he, he operates under his real name, just, just like you do, Bill. There are no photos of him on the internet. He's been involved on the alt-right and in politics since the year 2000, which means that he's been at it for 20 years as of the recording of this podcast. And yet there are no pictures of him. Okay, uh, now, now that's true. There are no pictures of Greg Johnson on the internet. That is true, absolutely, and I agree, except that I did find one. Oh, you did find one. Oh, and that's very interesting. When, he, when this when this podcast goes up, could you could you host it and post it on the on the oh, comments? Oh, it's it's going to be posted with this podcast, yes, sir. Oh man, he's not going to be happy about that. And screw him because that, how did you how did you find it? Hope not hate. He spoke in Kiev in the Ukraine in 2018, and his white nationalist manifest the white nationalist manifesto the book is propped up in front of him and he's got the microphone in his hand and it's the only picture of greg johnson i found it said hope not hate and i had to dig for it for about half an hour okay well i'm glad that we have that because i'm going to talk about something very fishy about that in a minute he forbids anyone from taking his picture anywhere Right. Uh, he becomes extremely aggressive if he believes someone has. He'll get in their face. He demands that they delete any photos that they may have. We've seen him do it, right? There's a lot of accounts of him doing this. Given his insulting and demeaning attitude towards people who use pseudonyms and who actually try to practice, you know, OPSEC, operational security, this is a very strange attitude to have. Why does he defend his appearance so aggressively? Well, the reason we suspect is because persistent rumors have followed him since he got started in, in, his, in his little career in politics that he was once involved in gay pornography in California. This tracks because Greg Johnson has admitted that he lived in San Francisco for many years in his youth as a gay man. San Francisco is, of course, an infamous hotspot for gay orgies, gay bars, gay prostitution, and, of course, gay pornography. If that were true, it would explain a great deal about him. Like most porn actors, he likely acted under a fake name, which is why he doesn't care if people know his real one, but he didn't act with a fake face. 
there are quite a few people, myself included, who believe that Greg Johnson protects his face because somewhere on the internet there's video footage of him acting in a gay porno, and he's terrified of someone connecting the dots and doxing him as that former gay porn star. The argument that he's hiding his face for OPSEC purposes, which I've seen, there are people who argue that he's he's hiding his face because he just wants to be, you know, private. He wants it to be secure. That doesn't really pan out because countercurrents is his full-time job, just like how Christogenia is yours. He's not hiding any more than you are, Bill. He uses his real name, his politics as his full-time job, and I could probably find his address if I tried hard enough. It's he, only his face that he goes to any lengths to hide, and he goes to great lengths to do so, and that is pretty suspicious. Please and he's, he's not just a blogger. If he was a stay-at-home blogger, it would be a different story, right? But right, he, but he gets appears, up on stage and gives speeches and talks. Yes. He makes all these public appearances at forums across the country and at forums across Europe. He's been with Jared Taylor to Kiev and to um, Lithuania and, and many other venues in Europe, which would have which would still have white nationalist speakers. And, and he's given public speeches there. And that's where this picture from Hope Not Hate came. And from a public appearance he did in Kiev, in Kiev, I should say, maybe in 2018. But I don't know if any of our Christogenia listeners are going to want to um, scan reams of gay porn from the 80s looking for gay, Greg Johnson. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it is either. That's, that's a dirty job. There's, there's the dirty job we're doing today, Bill, but that's, that's a quite a bit dirtier job, right? I don't think anyone's going to bother to do it. Maybe some people on the alt-right who, who feel particularly jaded about the whole incident with Ghoul and Greg Johnson and everything else. Maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can get a, maybe we can get common filth or somebody else who, who makes a living uh, making fun of degeneracy. Maybe we can get someone, someone down there to go through 10,000 hours of, of hardcore gay porn and see if they recognize this one man's face. Probably, probably it's just paranoia on his part. I don't think that connection will ever be made, but I wouldn't be surprised if the reason he is, he is hiding his face so aggressively is because he's terrified of some drag queen or tranny uh, in, in the downtown LA, right on the strip pointing and saying, Hey, that, that American Hitler guy that was, that was on the news. I, uh, I did him with a strap on back in, you know, 1985, 1995, right. I remember that guy. <laughs> so, well, well, he's doing public speaking at a public event and he has no, no real right to bar anybody from photographing him. Right. I mean, that's, that's like one of the rules of, of, you know, going out and putting yourself out there for politics is you have to accept the reality that people are, are going to take your picture. You're going to show up in photos. The photos might go on a Facebook group and some journalist might take the photos from the Facebook group and print them in the local newspaper. You just have to deal with that, right? You, you, well, you sort do of waive your rights when you go out into the public square like that. Exactly. And, and, and I don't remember the cases, but United States courts and even the Supreme Court, I'm sure, have made the ruling in favor of the photographers when people yes. are acting out in public and, and doing things in public, they can't prevent or control themselves from being photographed. Yeah, they, they, they ruled that while individuals do have a right to privacy, once you enter the public square, there is no longer a reasonable expectation to withhold that right, It is, or, which is to say it's impossible to police. It can't be stopped. So you just have to accept it. You have to live with it. We can't help you. Sorry.
But uh, but yeah, it, it is it is pretty suspicious. But believe me, if that was the only thing we had on him, uh, this would be a very short podcast. Unfortunately, it's going to get a lot worse. Greg Johnson. Now, I mentioned this name a little bit earlier. Greg Johnson is friends with a man named James J. O'Meara, who has written numerous articles for Countercurrents and is a regular contributor to the websites. If any of Bill's listeners out there who are tuning in uh, would care to bother with it, you can go to Countercurrents and flip through his articles. I'm sure you'll see O'Meara pop up pretty frequently. He's He is a regular contributor. Omira is also an active sodomite and a degenerate, which we can prove. A large amount of pictures exist on the internet of Omira being in sexually explicit situations that involve sodomy and various fetishes, the most infamous of which made rounds during the Yidwife crisis when all of this started falling out, which was one of Omira dressed up in a French maid outfit, chained to a table, and being sodomized by a tranny dominatrix prostitute. Wow. No, I'm not joking. So who now, released this? What was this like a reaction from TRS to release this? Is this something yeah. Ghoul had so, in his so, collection or something? No. So here's the deal. When, when the Yidwife crisis happened, there was a riot. And I, I explained this essentially. And it caused a lot of drama. Enoch put the lid on it, right? A ton of people got banned and purged. This stuff with Ghoul and with Greg Johnson and what we're going to talk about later, which is a there's a secret Facebook group that I can we we have proof that it exists. It's called Fashy Faggots. It's connected to TRS and it's also connected to the Daily Stormer. It's an it's a Facebook group where all of the faggots and sodomites on the alt right are members of. They have their own little secret Facebook group that they trade dick pictures on. Um, about a, a few months after the Yidwife crisis happened, this all happened. So people were, were still mad about the Yidwife crisis. There were people who had been banned who were still angry about having been banned. There were people who were still members of the forum but were very unhappy with everything that had come out and how everything had been handled. So the Yidwife crisis happened, and there's a period of time of damage control, and then this happened is, is the way this went. So when all of this happened, sort of like – when you it's 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 opposition it's being oppositional right when when you know mike enoch says all of you guys shut the fuck up about you know richard spencer and you know greg johnson they do a lot of things for the movement and then somebody somebody posts a picture of james omira getting getting railroaded by a, a tranny while he's wearing a french maid outfit and said why are your friends all like this mike you know it's it's that sort wow. of thing they were talking about the bowel movement right I, <laughs> I'm you, now you can't ahead. do anything for the movement as a degenerate. You can't do anything for your fellow white men and women as a degenerate. No, and we touched on that at the end of the last podcast, right? Which is that a a a seedless fruit doesn't care about the tree, right? If 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 a tree that bears no fruit, what does it care about the welfare of the grove, right? It doesn't care about the future of the forest. But um well, well not, let me say one just, thing. Well, one thing quick, please. That this seems to me to be why it is so impossible to get any of these groups or any of, of the um, leaders within any of these groups to even pay Christian identity any mind at all. Oh no, I'm I'm sure just like how there are people who are 
there, there, there's plenty of examples, right? Of, uh, and I, I think, uh, oh, what is his name? Jordan Peterson. That's right. There, there's plenty of examples of Jordan Peterson who he's not related to any of this that I know of, besides the fact that he's a Satanist. But uh, <laughs> there, there's plenty of evidence of, of him who's part of the alt right saying, oh, if if anyone, if there's, if you ever see anybody who won't debate you, it means they're afraid of you because they know they can't win a debate. And then he also turns around with, with the same breath and says, I don't debate identitarians. It's not worth my time. Right. And it's, it's obvious to anyone who's objective about it, that the reason he doesn't debate white identity, you know, proponents, white nationalists, Christian identity people, that sort of thing. He doesn't talk to us because he knows he can't win. He's afraid of that argument. He's afraid of being made to look like an idiot. So he doesn't engage in it. I, th I think there is a lot of that in this, right? People aren't willing or interested to get in giving Christogeny uh, or Christian identity a platform because it scares a lot of these people. I, I think the last thing anyone on the alt-right, any, any of these higher-ups, any of these content creators, I think the very last thing any of them want would to be locked in a box with a bunch of recording equipment where they have to talk to someone like you or Sven Longshanks for 30 minutes. I'm, I'm sure it would end very poorly for them. I don't think they would be able to, to withstand what would happen. So they just, they just ignore it. They bury it. I, I, I had to go through a whole lot of business just to find out the Christian identity even existed, Bill. I, I went, I went the long way around. So, well, but that, this is ahead. incredible. The, the, the degree of depth that, Sodomy is is and permeating all of these organizations, all of these white nationalist outfits or alt-right organizations. Yeah, and I don't I don't just bring up James O'Meara for shock value, just just to hold up a picture of this guy in a French made outfit and say, hey, look at this. I bring it up for a reason. It's to prove a point. Because remember, Greg Johnson claims that he and all of his sodomite friends are celibate. This is his defense when people start attacking him for being a sodomite. Yes, we're attracted to men, but no, we do not act out on those desires. Greg Johnson has defended O'Meara by saying he doesn't do those sorts of things. And yet we have a whole stack of photographs to the contrary. So Greg Johnson's a liar. We can prove that he's a liar, right? We, we can prove that they're just covering for each other. It's not actually true. And as we touch on more topics, as this is going to go on, that's going to further unravel and fall apart completely, hopefully by the end of it, that it is just a flat out lie. These people are not celibate. What are your thoughts on that, Bill? Have you, have you ever met, I'm curious, have you ever met the, the mythical, uh, celibate sodomite? Have you ever met that guy? I've never met him. I'm not sure he's real. You, you know, what's also unreal to me is the idea of a, of a sodomite racist. Well, We'll be touching on racist liberalism in a minute. Uh, that's that's near the bottom of this. That I've I've got that in my notes too. We will be discussing the the positions that these people take, and I believe I'm I'm actually going to go out on a limb. I'm not only going to assert that Greg Johnson and Milo Yiannopoulos and Omira and Jack Donovan and all of these and all these other people are racist liberals. I believe that Mike Enoch is a racist liberal. And I believe that all of these other people on the alt-right are racist liberals. And if you're not a racist liberal, you will never jive with these people. They will never accept you. And if you don't like racist liberalism, the alt-right is not for you. Well, well, yeah, they certainly have to be liberals if they're um, embracing these perversions. That this isn't anything that a true... 
I, I don't like to use that term conservative, right? As right. The, the opposite of liberal. I, I think we have to come up with a better term, but the best term I can think of at the moment is Christian, because yeah, Christian, Christian morality Christian be the best term, is our um, traditional morality for, it, even if we don't believe Christian identity, Christian morality is our traditional morality in most of Europe for fifteen to 1,700 years, and in some of Europe for 1,000 to 1,200 years. So that's over a millennium of Christian moral principles upon which our society is based. And that's the true antitype to liberalism. Yeah. And, and of course, there's no such thing as real conservatism because American conservatism is just the Reconstructionist Party. It was born out of the Civil War. It has no real values. It doesn't have any principles. It's just here to act as a punching bag for the radicals and the revolutionaries, right? It doesn't, it doesn't stand for anything. There was, there was once upon a time up here. The, the, the cycle is always the same. Right, which is the the conservatives, the Republicans say, we'll we'll oppose so and so on our principles, and then they'll get attacked for it, and after a year or two they'll fold on it, and then next year they'll say so and so is a core part of our values, and it always has been, right? And they've been doing this for, gosh, how long has it been, Bill? It's been almost 150, almost 200 years. They've they've just been pulling this same stunt over and over again. At least they're, they're a yes. joke, right? It's 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 been ever since the ever since the Civil War, ever ever since the Civil War and Reconstructionism, they have just they folded every time. You're you're right. We we do need a different word for it, and I would use Christian too, which is these these people aren't Christian. But James Amira wrote an article uh, uh, that is posted on Countercurrents. You can look it up. It's called "This Gay Old House." On June 17th, 2016, if you would like the stamp for it, that is when this gay old house was published. He claims in this article that gays are the natural gatekeepers of Aryan culture. That's his words. And gays are the primary creators of culture throughout history. And further claims that homosexuals save civilization from itself. The conclusion of his article repeats Greg Johnson's common assertion that gays are already here, so we should just accept that and let them in because getting rid of them is impossible. And in fact, getting rid of them would actually be self-destructive. So <laughs> what, are, you, what wow. are your thoughts on, on, on sodomites being the natural gatekeepers and, and the, I assume, the natural aristocracy of our civilizations, Bill? Does that, does that track for you? Does that sound about right? Well, well, sodomites are, are historical revisionists just like Negroes are. I mean, Negroes, these Afrocentric niggers that believe the ancient Egyptian pharaohs were black, right? Well, well, sodomites do the same thing. They look back at figures in history and they try to say, oh, Beethoven was gay or, oh, Mozart was gay or whatever. Who, whoever they could pull up. Hitler was gay. Jesus was gay. That's their claims. They claim, oh, he wasn't married. Paul must have been gay because he wasn't married. Get out of here. That's crazy. Actually, Sodomites do the same thing. It's actually really funny you mention that because in this gay old house, in that article, James O'Meara claims that Lovecraft was gay. Th there um, you have and, it. And he uses he uses that as an example of of some of of how a a gay man can contribute to culture and can be racist, right? As he says, "Oh well, Lovecraft was gay. Everyone knows Lovecraft was gay." So of course, you know, aren't aren't I just the new H.P. Lovecraft? Accept me, right? 
Yeah, you know, the ancient Greek writers, some of them looked at sodomy um, without a care one way or the other. Others seem to have favored it, but most of them seem to have disparaged it. They didn't, um, Strabo of Cappadocia, Diodorus Siculus, they had nothing good to say about sodomy. Cornelius Tacitus, the Roman historian, he disparaged sodomy. He looked down on it. He considered it a perversion. Um, Pindar, the, the, the fifth century poet, he seems to have been a sodomite. That was my impression when I read his plays. But I can't even prove that, but he seems to have been very friendly to sodomy. And, and certain others were also, but it, it was split, and the sodomites were not the majority. Most of those classical Greek historians and writers had had were either um that they were they had a libertarian approach to it because there were no real laws against it or they that they were they they had antipathy for it and they expressed it so it's not true that the sodomites themselves the sodomites who these Jews promote in in our um culture today and and in their controlled media they overrate the sodomy and the acceptance of sodomy among the ancient literati. They do. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because even the mainstream media is, is on our side here, which is a strange situation to be in. I know, I know it would shock you to find out. Uh, Bill, that there are there are Jews out there who agree with you on this situation, but believe it or not, they are. We live in a strange world. As of this moment, if you plug James O'Meara alt right into Google, if you were to do that right now, as of the recording of this podcast, the first result that comes up is an article by Slate, where a Jewish feminist named Donna Minkowitz writes about how alt-right leaders Jack Donovan and James O'Meara are using sex to attract gay men to fascism. Keep in mind, this is the big accusation that Greg Johnson accuses people of being tinfoil hat Bible thumpers for believing in. If you believe the fags are just here to use the movement to have sex with other fags and groom more kids into being into faggotry, you're the worst sort of person. You're all the bad names Greg Johnson can think of. You're the real problem. And yet, here on the other side of the aisle, Donovan and O'Meara are being backhandedly praised by a Jewish communist for using orgies as a recruitment tool. So I'm sorry to all of you alt-righters out there if you didn't know that Donovan and O'Meara were your leaders, or if you'd never heard of them before today. Uh, they're here and they're queer, and you're a bigot if you want to get rid of them. This is your movement. This is what you signed up for, right? Uh, well, I'm sorry well, I if know. you're only hearing about it now. I know for a fact, and, and uh, yeah, you know, I hate to profess that I know about these things, but I just know about them because of, of my life circumstances. I grew up right outside of New York City. I spent a large amount of time in New York City as a kid. I was in law enforcement for 12 years. I've seen it all, right? Well, well I know for a fact that sodomites have like th this, that they get this source of pride that they, they think they get some kind of points accumulated or, or stars on their lapels if they manage to have sex with a guy that's straight. Sodomites, 
that they cruise straight bars and, and um, restaurant bathrooms and things like that, um, rest areas, scouting for straight men that they could try to entice into Who? some sexual act and have sex with them. So what better place than, than um, a movement like the alt-right or white nationalists, which might attract the more manly sort of men rather than the soy boy Antifa types and try to attract them to have sex? What better, what better um, ground for them to try to till? They can't sow it, but they could till it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would believe that they are involved, just like a faggot would want to be a scoutmaster. I wouldn't trust a sodomite in my ranks, no. He's going to corrupt somebody else in the ranks or do his best to try. Right. And that, that is that is absolutely something that they do. Um, so we've we've talked a little bit about Greg Johnson. We have we've we've touched a little bit on who he is, but if if there's a theme for this podcast, I would like it to be that the gay mafia is real and I can prove it. Now I know I know that's a little bit of a funny thing to say, haha, the gay mafia, what are you talking about? Well, unfortunately it's not a joke. And uh, now that we were a little bit established, who is Greg Johnson? He's this guy who gives speeches. He's really protective of his face. He runs countercurrents. Let's talk about the kind of influence that Greg Johnson actually has, undue amounts of influence. Uh, I, I listed at the beginning of this, I listed a list of things where these are, these are institutions and groups that Greg Johnson's involved in. Greg Johnson was involved with the Northwest Front. Yes, I'm sorry to all of you NWF guys out there. We're going to be talking about you for a minute. Now, for those of you who don't know, the NWF or the Northwestern Front, they're following what they call the Butler Plan, which was created by Harold Covington, who passed away recently. The basic idea is that we're going to have to cede ground to diversity in the federal governments. There's no getting around it, so we should all move to the Pacific Northwest, regroup, fortify, and then we can create a de facto white ethnostate there, and from that position move forwards. Well, well let me There's make a, one small correction. The Butler Plan is called the Butler Plan because it was created by Richard Butler, who founded a Christian identity organization called Aryan Nations. My mistake. Which is the single largest... Christian identity organization that's been that was ever created. It 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 he had thousands of members across the country. He had chapters in almost every state. Um, they had huge meetings in Idaho and a compound there, and they lost it all to stupidity. But that he wanted it was his original idea to attract all these identity Christians to Idaho, Montana. And it failed, of course, but Harold Covington actually secularized that plan. I was about to ask you, because this is a bit of history about the NWF I'm not familiar with. Why did he secularize it? Because this is the first I've heard that, that Christian identity had anything to do with the Butler plan. Well, I don't know Why? if, I don't know if, um, well, the Butler plan is named that because it was Richard Butler's original plan. That's why he called his organization Aryan Nations and wanted to attract identity Christians to come to Idaho in large numbers. And it never really panned out. I mean, he did attract some people, but most Aryan Nations members are spread across the country. 
um, mostly probably the Midwest and the South, but I know Aryan Nations members from, from um, probably 40 states, right? Now a lot of them are Christogenia listeners. Not all, but quite a few. Um, but, but did Covington ever give a... Like, did Covington blame the Christianity aspect for why the Butler plan failed? Is that why he secularized it? What was his rationale well, for that? Well, I don't believe... I think that Covington simply thought it was a good idea. I don't know enough about Covington's early life or early career to really understand it, but he always embraced the idea, but he wasn't a Christian. Or if he was a Christian, he was just a marginal Judeo-type Christian. But as far as I know, he was not a Christian. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. You learn something new every day. That's fine. Uh, but um, anyway, there was a TRS group for the Northwestern Front called the Cascadians. I was never involved with the things that they did because I was a Dixiecrat. And you can call it pride or arrogance if you like. I won't, I won't deny that. But uh, they'll be taking me off of southern soil in a hearse, and only then if they dig me up. So the Butler plan never really interested me. But back in the day, Harold Covington and Greg Johnson did work together. Uh, you can still find articles written by Covington on countercurrents. If you go back and sort through the archives, you can find articles and comments by him, things that he wrote and things that he said and did. However, around 2010, Covington made an appearance on a publication of some sort. I'm not clear what kind. I couldn't find it. I did look. Uh, I don't know if it was a radio show or a podcast somewhere. I would have liked to have found it because then I could have had, had you, you cut the, the audio in and we could hear Covington say it in his own words. But in that show, he came out as being very strongly and vehemently anti-homosexual. He went well beyond the point of keep your business in the closet. He claimed that we cannot have homosexuals in any of our movements at all, that they will rot any organization that they're a part of from the inside out. And from that point onwards... Greg Johnson and Harold did not get along. Countercurrents no longer hosted anything Harold did. And from 2010 on till the day he died, there were persistent rumors from then on that nobody should have anything to do with Harold Covington or his Northwestern Front because Harold was actually a federal agent. Now, I cannot prove that Greg Johnson was behind that rumor. I have... No evidence to suggest that besides the circumstantial evidence. But it is terribly suspicious that the rumors only started after Covington came out as being anti-sodomite. And I, I, I think that's incredibly suspicious. Uh, do you have anything to say about that, Bill? Do you know, do you know anything about Covington's stance on, on uh, sodomites or anything he and Greg did together? No, no, I don't. And I was surprised actually to find out that they did things together. I really was. I didn't know that at all. I have never been a fan of Covington. I always thought he was a clown because he rejected Christianity. Um, well, I was always of the opinion that that the that the that at least his version of it, because this is the first I've ever heard of of the original Butler plan that was Christian identity based. But I've always been a. a, a of, of, of the opinion uh, when I first heard about it that it was never going to work because there was never any – I would ask these guys, right? I would talk to them and I'd say, so do you have – like let's say I did this. Like I, I 
agreed to come do this. You guys have a job lined up for me. Do you do you know a guy who owns an apartment complex that you can say, hey, he's one of us. Get him a get him a room. Right. They they didn't have any support. They didn't have any infrastructure. They didn't have anything they could offer anybody. They were essentially asking the the poorest and and least well off uh, segment of young white men to to sell everything that we own and come up and be homeless in Seattle, right? And I told him so, and I said, listen, that's a joke. You're not going to be able to get anything done if that's your plan. If you don't have doctors and lawyers and you don't have people who are willing to to you know rent out rooms, if you don't have guys who work in like trucking or in uh in you know a factory somewhere who are going to put in a recommendation for somebody because he comes in and he says he's with the group you're not going to be able to get anybody and they they always told me oh you just don't have enough faith well man can't live on faith alone he does need bread well i definitely agree with the concerns and and i have even greater concerns for a scheme like that as soon as you set up even a county that, that's quote-unquote white supremacist or neo-Nazi or however the Jews want to slander it. it and and you, you try to exclude other races and do things like that that are contrary to federal policy. The feds are going to crush you. Yeah, they'll, they'll come in with they'll, – they'll declare everybody in the whole county a, a, a domestic terrorist and they'll roll in with battle wagons. They'll, they'll bring in the National Guard and they'll bring in tanks. And at that point, you're just making a last stand. Right. Right. It, it'll it, and and that's fruitless. There's no fruit in that. No. But in addition, in addition to that, this rumor uh, about Covington that only started to circulate uh, after after his falling out with Greg Johnson, there are a number of individuals who participate in Northwestern forums, uh, chats, and groups who wish to remain anonymous for a reason that I'm going to touch on in just a minute that have been told that they are no longer welcome at the Northwestern Front forums because they spoke out vocally against sodomites, pedophiles, and faggotry. They were not outright asked to leave. They were not banned, but they were no longer included in group calls. They no longer received invitations to events, and they were left off of the lists for various meetings and meetups. Now, there is a good reason that these particular people have asked to remain anonymous. And now we're going to start getting into some serious stuff. A few years ago, Greg Johnson put out a call to people saying he had contacts within the Trump administration, and they were looking to fill a large number of auxiliary positions with, and I quote Greg Johnson here, our guys. So he went around asking people for their resumes, and he got them. We don't know exactly how many resumes he collected from people who fell for this. I do know that having asked around, nobody knows anybody who actually got a job out of this. But what we do know is that Greg Johnson now has a comprehensive docs on several hundred young men in the alt-right at a bare minimum. Greg Johnson has these people's real names, their addresses, their credentials, their work history. For the record, if you have received a job from this, please let us know about it. You don't have to dox yourself. You can leave that information out. But we're still looking to see if there's even one single person who actually got a job out of this. So far, no one in the entire alt-right has found even a single person who was employed out of this. I've asked around. I know other people have asked around. I say this purely because I want to stand on the reasonable side of this equation for the sake of argument, playing devil's advocate. 
I can't just come out and say that Greg Johnson lied. He never intended to get anybody a job and all he wanted was docs so he could manipulate and blackmail people. I can't prove that. But the evidence here is very damning. We can't find even one person who got a job out of this. If you are that guy, please let us know about it. But so far, we've been unable to locate even a single person out there. So Greg Johnson has the docs on a very large number of people, including these people from the NWF forums who came forward and told us about them being excluded once they started speaking out against sodomites and faggots. Do you have anything to say about this, Bill? Yeah, why would anybody give any figure on, on the internet a resume? Um, unless he was applying for a job at a particular website. And, and even then, I, I mean, I, I could imagine if I had a million dollar budget that maybe I could hire some, some Christian identity writers to, to expand into other websites. I'm, 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 I'm conjecturing, right? I'm playing out a fantasy. It, it, it's never going to happen. But, you know, people that produce good content, that they deserve um, remuneration for it because they have to feed themselves. So I wouldn't ask for resumes. I, I would want to see what they're posting now, right? I, I mean, resumes aren't even necessary. If I was involved in a political campaign and the candidate won and came to me and said, Bill, give me a list of people who... Um, who might want jobs in, in such and such a department over here or over there. And, and I'd say, sure, and go to my people and say, send your resume to such and such, right? Because I don't want it. Right. Yeah, you know, send your resume to this officer who works in the, this um, personnel capacity at the White House. Right. And that is that is the crux of this, which is there's no if if Greg Johnson was acting as some kind of go between or medium, if this had been a sincere effort, uh, I can't imagine why he would want the resumes. I don't know what on earth he's going to do with them. So the only reasonable conclusion I can come to, although I'm still trying to err on the side of, of not outright accusing him of things I can't prove. To me, the only reasonable assumption to make from this is, in fact, that he just – he lied. He wanted it for the information on it so he could dox people. And, uh, and it, it, has, it has yielded dividends for him because he's been able to threaten people before. And we'll actually be talking about that in a minute because the guys at the NWF forums are not the only people he's threatened. Mirroring the events in the Northwest chapters and groups, there's a place called the New York Forums which is an alt-right group for people in the northeastern part of the United States. Like the Northwestern Front, there were people who went to the New York forums and they were vocal about their disdain and disgust for sodomites, pedophiles, trannies, and other various flavors of faggot. And like the NWF, these people suddenly stopped getting invites to meetings and they were no longer notified when group chats and calls were going to take place. Also like the NWF informants, these are people whose real names and informations Greg Johnson has, which is why they have remained anonymous for all the information that they've given us. This is, to me, further evidence of the gay mafia in action. You can hate Jews all you like, but you'd best not speak out about that sickly guy next door that keeps leering at your son. You have to accept him. It's impossible to get rid of him, right? This is, this is them exerting their power to try and, and keep people out who, don't, who aren't willing to, to put up with them, right? They are, they are very clearly... Greg Johnson went fishing for docs. He got it from young, gullible men, and then he used it. Right? It's not. It's it's pretty clear cut to me. I don't know. I don't know what your feelings are on that. 
Well, well, right. If you start taking names and addresses and personal information, you, you are entrusted with that information. And, and if you are dishonest about it, you can use that information against those people very easily if they ever publicly disagree with you in the future or, or um, start trouble for you in the future. Yeah, a dishonest man can do that. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I actually there's another great example of him doing this. And I, I've, I've got this down, too. And uh, I, I, I want this to be said. I'm actually familiar with the guy that's going to be mentioned here. It's a it's a guy who posts under the name of Tharu. Uh, I know Tharu. Uh, I used to be in contact with Tharu. In fact, uh, underneath you on the contacts on Skype, he's one of the only other contacts I have. Tharu and I used to argue a lot. Tharu was a was a neo pagan. I was never a neo pagan ever, so we didn't really get along. However, we did have a sort of grudging respect for each other. Uh, one of the shows that was on TRS was called Culture Conf, and they left the website after the Yidwife crisis happened. When when they when all of that fell out and it came out that his wife was a Jew and everyone was like, oh no, and then he was confused and said, actually I'm a Jew, but it's okay, guys. I've done a lot, and people are like, no one no one accused you of being a Jew. After all that fell out, Culture Conf they said, listen, we can't do this. It's too much. We have to go. And considering all the drama that happened during the Yidwife crisis, the post they made announcing their departure on the forum was actually pretty polite and reasonable, as reasonable as polite as you can be when you found out that the guy in charge of your website is a Jew. And that post was made by Tharu Larbi, uh, who is the prime, was the primary host for CultureConf. Well, Greg Johnson responded to that post Tharu made. And I'm going to quote that post exactly. This is an exact quote, and I believe this is in – under each of those podcasts I sent you, there's a link to uh, a, a set of files of screenshots. I believe this is in those files, uh, a screenshot of this post being made. This is the exact quote. Are you sure you want to burn bridges like this? I know where your mother lives. Greg Johnson said that to Tharu. He also made several other veiled threats to the other main host of Culture Conf, Titus Flavius, who I never really talked to. I don't know the guy personally, sorry. But that mother reference was directed at Tharu. This is what I mean when I say Greg Johnson wields enormous influence, even though he likes to stay in the background. He enjoys threatening people. He goes out of his way to make sure that he has as much power over as many different people as possible so he can force them to do what he wants them to do. I don't know how he knows where Tharu's mother lives, and I honestly don't care. But Greg Johnson openly threatened him for walking away from TRS because Enoch was revealed as a Jew. He said, are you sure you want to do this? I know where your mother lives. That's Greg Johnson. That's what he is. He's not some innocent writer. He's not some benevolent introvert who doesn't like having his picture taken. He threatened someone's mother with implied violence. I said in the beginning, the game off you wasn't a joke. It's not a joke name, and I wasn't kidding. This is real. That actually happened. So do you have any thoughts on that, Bill? Well, well I mean, if... If he's threatening people's mothers, then he either has the capacity to reach them or he's bluffing and thinking that he, he can cow somebody by that bluffing, but which, I mean, that's possible, but yep. that, that doesn't it, speak very well for Tharu. I'd have to tell Johnson to go screw himself. 
I'm not going to be cowed like that. Yeah, and and I I don't I don't remember if Tharu made a response to that. I can't I can't speak to that at all. Uh, I genuinely do not recall if if any of the culture conf guys fired back or if they just left. Uh, yeah. It's entirely possible because I think they may have just left. It's possible Tharu never even saw the threat, but um, at least not when it was made. But it is I I can't think of a good interpretation of this at all because either either Greg Johnson's bluffing in which case he's a bastard or he's not bluffing in which case he's a bastard. Right. I, I can't think of a reason. There's no re there's no way a normal person would say this. Why would Greg Johnson be so invested in keeping podcasts on TRS that he would threaten real threat or not. He would threaten someone in public if they, if they said we're going to walk away because we can't agree with what this site is doing anymore. That's that, that is the, the attitude of uh, of a sociopath, right? That's this is this is this is the behavior of someone who is very controlling, someone who like who is used to having things done their way and who isn't willing to accept them being done any other way. It it is the behavior of a mafia don, right? This is the behavior of a guy who says, no, 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 you're going to do what I want you to do, or insert implied threat here, right? Or you because know, you cut have your fingers invested, off. a vested in interest or investment in that organization what what would greg johnson care about mike enoch right unless there was something going on there behind the scenes but i noticed you know i really went looking for greg johnson on the right stuff this morning and i saw little to nothing in recent years yeah, a lot of a lot of his contributions uh, have been deleted. Uh, they've been removed, and we will be getting into collusion with Mike Enoch near the end of my notes. But okay. uh, he's he's also Greg Johnson. I think has perhaps learned a, a lesson from all of this, which is he needs to be even less involved than he was previously. He he has always tried to play this hands off. We will actually be talking about a friend of his um, coming up here in a minute. Uh, that did not play things hands off. And that's one of the reasons we know uh, a lot of this uh, A guy by the name of Brendan Kissam, who is known on the all right by another name, Thorne Lockerson, um, who does not play things hands off at all. And a, lo a lot of the information that we have, including some very damning things at the very end, we'll talk about, we know because, because Lockerson, because Kissam has just outright admitted that they're true. But maybe I, I, I would suspect that perhaps Greg has realized that even as close as he played his cards to his chest, he should have played them closer. I, I can only speculate. I can't know. Okay. But um, go ahead. No, I just had to ask that question. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't know his thoughts, but I would imagine maybe he's been a little bit spooked by all of the things that have come out. I, I can't imagine he intended for this much of, of, of the things he's gotten up to to become public knowledge. Right. Uh, I'm sure this wasn't part of the plan. But Greg Johnson has previously spoken and claimed that his ideals and values are the same as ours. And yet, as the Bible teaches us, we shall know them by their fruit, right? The fruit of Greg Johnson's deeds do not line up with his words. He claims to oppose sodomy in action. I'm celibate, and so are all of my friends. Yes, sodomy is degenerate, so it's a good thing we don't do that here, right? And yet, if you say that, if you say that sodomy is degenerate and you're vocally opposed to fags and trannies and pedophiles, you get uninvited to meetings. You're no longer welcome on discussions and calls. If you're someone important enough, a content creator like Tharu and Titus, uh, you might even be openly threatened. 
And just like how we touched on Omira earlier and how he's very obviously not celibate, even though he and Greg both claim otherwise, rumors keep following Greg around as well that he's not celibate. Every time he does a tour in Europe, he is always in the company of a young, physically attractive boy, a different boy every time who just follows him around and hangs off of him. That by itself is suspicious. It's incredibly suspicious because if the situation was inverted and there was a straight man who was into politics and he kept going on political tours and giving speeches and every single time he's seen, it's in the company of a new, young, attractive woman who was following him around and hanging off of him and it's a different woman every time. Well, there would, be, there would be rumors, right? We would all know what was going on there, wouldn't we? This is how Greg Johnson behaves, but with young boys instead. But he's celibate, he says. He doesn't touch them, he insists. And I have to ask, does anybody really believe that? Do you believe that, Bill? No, but, you know, I think he does most of those appearances with Jared Taylor, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I he saw does, a whole list of them. Jared Taylor is is part of his entourage, and I think that's quite quite damning uh, for Taylor. I don't think it's a good look for him either, to be honest. Although, in my own research of this, I haven't found anything particularly damning of Taylor. But uh, but what but I'm saying is Taylor must at least be aware of this behavior. Oh, I would assume he is, because as we're going to talk about in a minute um the mike enoch was aware of this behavior mike enoch and the higher-ups at trs and to a degree the people on the daily stormer as well have always been aware of this behavior they've always known about it and they've just pretended it's not there or they've actively helped to cover it up right so i would have to assume given that given that that crew is completely aware of what's going on and actively attempting to hide it i can't imagine a situation where jared taylor would not be aware of it I, I can't think of a, of a reason why someone like him, who is, I, I will grant him at this, he is at least intelligent. He's not an idiot. Why wouldn't he know, right? How would it not be painfully obvious what was going on? He has to know, right? Well, well I mean, if you and I, and, and even if we took separate plane tickets, separate flights, right, to, to um, London for the London Forum or something, and, and we were both speaking, I think I would know that you were there and you would know that I'm there. And it's like, hey, Dasho, let's do dinner. Let's go to a pub for an hour. Oh, that's okay. I have a date. And, and I see you walking out of your hotel with a 20-year-old boy. I, I mean, come on. I, I mean, what's going on here? You, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you would know what I'm doing. I would know what you're doing because we would have a common interest. We're both speaking in this forum. And, and we should probably... Um, since you live in Virginia and I live in Florida, we should probably get together for at least a beer while we're in London together at the same time to speak at the same place. So, so right. Tared and, and Taylor, Tared, Jared Taylor and, and Greg Johnson, if they're both flying to Kiev or, or to Lithuania and, and they're going to be there for a couple of days to speak at this forum, which they, they have done on many occasions, you'd think they would get together and, and have their social hours together in the evening. And, and if, um, if Johnson is bringing a young man along, or if he can't make it because he has a date or, or some other... Um, what, what type of commitments would you have at eight, 9 PM? So <laughs> right, like, something and, would be and, going and, on and that Taylor should know what's what going on. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. At, at, at one o'clock in the morning, what kind of party are you going to attend? Come on, really? Right. 
No one's. It's 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 a little bit unbelievable to suppose that these people like Jared Taylor, who who hang out with these people, and this is another reason that I'm incredibly suspicious of Jordan Peterson as well. Even though he he is pretty deep into the occult, and he has those freaky photographs of him hanging out with people at some kind of Bohemian Grove satanic costume party. Like he he's suspicious unto himself, but he also hangs out with all these people. I find it very hard to imagine that that people like Jared Taylor or Jordan Peterson who know all of these people and hang out with them. I, I can't imagine they aren't party to this. They have to know about it at the very least, even if they don't participate. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they, they would have to know it. It's, it would be impossible to suppose they didn't, but, but above and beyond that by his own mouth, Greg Johnson admits that he doesn't actually believe in our values. He claims to, and then with his own mouth, he admits that it's a lie. And the proof of that is on his website. It is on counterculture. On his website, Greg has made the following post. This is a direct quote. And again, I will be giving the link to this to, uh, to Bill so he can post the picture in the, in the comments if you would like to. I oppose a, excuse me, I oppose a package deal of white nationalism and social conservatism. White nationalism is for all white people. My idea of a utopia is a place where we are still fighting over abortion and feminism, but it is only white people who are doing it. I think these reactionaries are a ball and chain on white nationalism. They have never won a battle since when? Stalingrad? And this was shortly followed up by another post in which he stated, I think the movement should disavow people who use the word sodomites. You sound like a fucking snake handler. End quote. Now, Greg Johnson has been widely mocked for these statements uh, on the alt-right. People have made fun of him. Uh, people have made the joke that his political position is no niggers in my gay bathhouse, which I think is pretty pretty succinct. I think that's fairly accurate. He's also been called a bathhouse racist. This is a recurring theme on the alt-right with these demagogues and these clowns. They claim to have some intellectual sophistication. They claim to have some spiritual instinct and some understanding of the truth. And yet this is what they resort to. This is the true measure of their depth. No niggers in my gay bathhouse is the spiritual truth of the alt-right. And people like Greg Johnson make sure of it. They make sure to exclude anyone who would contradict it. But, well, this is like, not done. Go ahead. I'm please. sorry. It, it surprised me at the beginning of this program when you first started to speak that you had mentioned that Johnson was associated with Identity Dixie. And I'm not a fan of Identity Dixie. That They are... Um, Christians, or at least they pretend to be Christians, I don't know them personally, right? But they lean towards Orthodox Christianity, which to me is um, not the path that Southern white men should take. It, it's definitely not part of our traditional values. No. Well, well, that being said, Leaning towards Orthodox Christianity, if they were truly Orthodox Christians, they would not accept a sodomite. No. As far as I'm aware, there is no traditional branch of Christianity anywhere that has ever tolerated sodomy. No, absolutely not. And, and what's Even, Johnson doing involved with them? I, I don't, I'm not putting it on you, right? But I, I'm just right. wondering. Well, I mean, like, what, what the hell is he doing still involved with the Northwestern Front even after he got mad at Harold, Harold Covington and started, I presume, actively sabotaging him because that's sure what it seems like. Obviously, he goes to great efforts to make sure he has a finger in every pie, right? He's, he's making sure he's got people in, uh, 
in Identity Dixie. I, I think it's pretty funny that he posts this article about the hermeneutics of gay suspicion when I suspect that he has had more to do with the actual gay panic he's complaining about than anybody else. He seems to have gone to great lengths to make sure that he's got a, he's got a sodomite in everybody's crew, right? He's got at least one person everywhere. That probably is true. That's probably what he's doing. And I want to I want to stress that this is not done out of altruism. Okay, what 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 Craig Johnson is doing when he backs white nationalism, and I know you mentioned this before. And I'd like I'm, this is this is the part where I'm gonna I'm gonna actually talk about this. This is pure self-preservation. People like Greg Johnson and Omira and Milo Yiannopoulos, they know that if white liberalism goes away, they're going to get thrown off of a rooftop. They know that if Muslims become the dominant force in the world, they're going to get a burning tire put around their necks in the middle of the street. They can only survive in an 80 to 90% white world of sexually liberated and godless white men who argue about abortion and feminism, both of which are topics that fags and sodomites do not care much about. This is self-preservation. They are parasites. They are avaricious and individualistic sexual predators. They fear what could kill off the tree that they are leeching from. They are afraid of any society that would deny them their gay orgies and their ability to prey on children and young men. It should not be confused for anything else. This is not altruism, and we can prove that this is the case. A man named Michael Lucas, who is a gay Israeli Jewish pornographer, <laughs> I'm not making this up, has come out in support of Donald Trump's Muslim ban vocally. It made headlines in certain segments of the internet. And his reasoning was because Muslims would hang him off of a crane if they could, so obviously he supports anything that results in fewer Muslims. I'm sure he'll be guest starring on Mike Enoch's podcast any day now. Pure self-interest, it's, it's zero principles. That's Greg Johnson. That's all these people. They don't want to be swung off of a crane, so he'll support racists and racism. But don't you dare talk about how it's bad to diddle little boys or how it's unclean to have 30-man orgies where everyone is sodomizing everybody else and all the blood and feces is getting mixed together on the floor. You can't talk about that. That's off limits. This is what the alt-right is now. It's a front for the gay mafia. If you're not okay with anal sex and pedophilia, you are not welcome. It's not a joke. The only joke here is us. The punchline is everybody who ever took these people seriously. I'm the joke. You're the joke. Greg Johnson isn't laughing. He's dead serious. Well, I believe I look at the same way uh, with, with these Jews in the all right, that they're creating a right wing movement that is safe for Jews. And, and they're giving white Christians who tend towards right wing values the impression that there are good Jews. Oh, that Jew told us the truth. He's a good Jew. Yeah. There are and no good Jews. They, there are no good sodomites. Um, Greg Johnson, you're, you're right. That's a good observation. It, it seems to be about self-preservation for sodomites in a white right-wing political movement so that they could assure that they will always be accepted. <sighs> right. And, and there is a, a meme about the ideology that Greg Johnson subscribes to. The rebellious members of the alt-right have coined it, and uh, I'm actually quite fond of it, and it's called racist liberalism. He fully supports all of the things that modern liberals do, but he realizes that these things are only possible and sustainable because of white people. So we have to get rid of the non-whites and protect white people. They accept every single principle and idea of the Enlightenment and the French Revolution, 
They support all of the politics and culture and ideas that came about because of Napoleon's emancipation of the Jews, which Bill has identified in his ministry, correctly in my opinion, as being the prophecy in Revelations where the beast was released from the pit. They support beast politics and beast society. They love it. They adore it. They think it's our greatest accomplishment. A racist liberal is someone who has realized that he's not going to be allowed to fist a 15-year-old boy in the back of a gay nightclub after ripping a line of coke if the Muslims take over. So obviously we have to stop them from taking over at all costs. These are your leaders, people of the alt-right. These are the people who make your memes and direct your talking points. They are all racist liberals. Greg is a racist liberal. Mike Enoch is a racist liberal. It's even possible that Mike's wife is a racist liberal because maybe I would, I would put forward that maybe that's how she can sing anti-Semitic Christmas carols while still shilling for communism and child trannies twerking professionally in New York City. They all know that if white people go, they will be the first in line for honor killings. They know that niggers can't support a civilization with the level of decadence that they want. And, well, well, uh, and I, I think it's pretty, it's pretty self-evident once you start looking at it from that perspective that that is, in fact, what's happening. That's what these people believe in. They're not traditionalists. They're not anything we would ever call conservative. They, they, are, they are enlightenment liberals, and they bring all of the baggage with them that that entails. What are your thoughts on that, Bill? Well, well that's absolutely true, and, and it's every single one of them. Jared Taylor seems to be a racist liberal, right? I, I mean, what we had mentioned this before the podcast, and, and I observed today that, and I don't like him, and I think that he's part Jewish. He basically, in a very sarcastic video he made, which I have posted at Christagenia, this individual I'm about to name had basically admitted being a Jew. And, and I used to like his videos early on, but I realized that he didn't have any answers either, of course. Ramsey Paul. and Ramsey Paul. Ramsey Paul came out publicly. He's married. He's real quiet about his personal life, but he's been married for like 30 years. And he came out a few years ago against sodomy, openly making statements against homosexuals. And, and now, from what I've seen, at the American Renaissance website, amren.com, Ramsey Paul has not been mentioned there since maybe 2015, 2016. Where he was attending their he was attending their conferences. He was being he was speaking. He was um, being promoted there. It, it's off now. He's out of there now. I I can't say that the reason is because of his remarks against homosexuals, but I suspect that. Yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if that was true because that would certainly that would maintain the pattern, right? Everyone who, even even people we don't necessarily agree with, right? Like Harold Covington, everyone who's spoken out against it, they end up being mysteriously not relevant anymore, don't they? Like they're not invited to any more of the any more of the meetups. People don't host their content anymore. They don't get to write articles anymore. They're replaced quietly by other people like Omira, right? It it, it would fit the pattern, wouldn't it? If that was the case. Absolutely. And I think, I think this is a good spot to transition here because now we're going to talk about Greg's participation in a secret Facebook group that is associated with the right stuff. Biz known as fashy faggots. And as we're going to find out, he's not the only person we'll talk about today who has had his dirty laundry aired out in public because of this Facebook group. Now, Fashy Faggots is a private, secret Facebook group where all of the homosexuals and sodomites on the alt-right hang out. And it is here where we really see the veneer of but we're celibate 
start to disintegrate because Fashy Faggots is not only a place where these people take pictures of their dicks and trade them, it's also a place where they organize orgies and sex parties and they use alt-right events and meetups as cover for hosting them. This Facebook group is real. It has been independently confirmed that it is real. We have confirmation of the group from multiple people who have been accidentally added to the group by the people who control it. And we also have confirmation from several people who have been stalked by these people, which we talked about earlier, and deliberately added to the group just so their stalkers could share all of these pictures and sodomite content with them and creep them out or try and entice them. Anyone who has ever had the misfortune of interacting with a sodomite, a tranny, or a pedophile knows that they delight in rubbing their deviancy into normal people's faces. They get a kind of thrill or validation out of it, and in part because of that, we know for sure that this group does exist. There are screenshots of it, there are archives of its content, though I would warn anybody who would go digging for it to be aware, you are looking up pictures of men fucking each other in the ass. It's not a clean topic. And that is the content that is hosted on this Facebook group. It's naked selfies, it's dick pics, it's conversations about arranging meetups and orgies, and it's pictures from those orgies. So with the contents of the Fashy Faggots group, we can definitively put to bed the claim that Greg Johnson and his friends are celibate. Once and for all, that's a lie. We can prove that it's a lie, although you maybe don't want to go look it up yourself. Now, Fashy Faggots was created and founded by Brendan Kissam, who was known by another name in the alt-right, Thorne Lockerson. Lockerson is a writer, he's an author, he creates anti-feminist and pro-masculinity content on the alt-right, and he was also responsible for creating the Appalachian Lives Matter donation drive that made the rounds a few years ago. So if you donated that, be aware your charity went via sodomite. Thankfully, at least, there is no evidence that any of the money was embezzled or redirected to other things. Kissam was at least transparent about that, uh, however, he has used the fact that he hosted this donation drive to cement himself in the alt-right and project power, asserting his opinions and making demands of others, much like how Greg Johnson does. Unlike Greg Johnson, though, Kissam has made absolutely zero effort to hide the fact that he is a massive, flaming faggot. He is openly sexually active, and he's very proud of that fact. I have been told that within a day of being added to the higher-ups TRS Facebook group, he made a video condemning people who reject sodomites and sodomy as driving people away from the movement and tried to build a case for what he called fashy faggots. You will note that he reused this term uh, in naming the secret dick pic Facebook group, so the mythical artist artistic creativity of the homosexual is clearly a lie. He just, he just reused his own phrase. Now, Kissam has also bragged that regular sodomy was not good enough for him at one point, and he experimented with taking hard drugs like meth while engaging in orgies. Again, these are not my words. He freely admits to this and is even proud of it. So in that respect, at least, he's more honest than Greg, who still tries to keep his own affairs and deviancies a secret. Kissam is not only open about it, he is proud, he's eager, he wants to talk your ear off and make sure you know all about the foam parties and the orgies and the underage boy strippers that he swears nobody laid a finger on so it was all still legal. And he also loves to brag about how he has a huge collection of dick pictures from many of the men involved in the alt-right and that he distributes them around to his friends using the Facebook group as a medium for that. This is one of the reasons we know for sure that this group exists because these pictures have accidentally been shared several times with people who are not sodomites and who were not a part of this group but were on Facebook. And Kissam's collection of pictures and the fact that he keeps them all labeled with names is actually really important for something that we're going to talk about in a minute. I know, it's awful. 
By the way, while I, while I am loath to defend Richard Spencer in any way, shape, or form, it is worth noting that when all of this was dropped and everything came out, Richard Spencer did throw Greg Johnson and all of his friends under the bus. Maybe that's because he was disgusted, or maybe it's because it was bad optics and it made everything look terrible. It could also be because he's one himself and he's trying to disavow it all before it comes back to bite him. I don't know, but it is worth noting that Richard Spencer did have a public parting of the ways with Greg Johnson during the big doxing when all of this information leaked. I don't know if you know anything about that, uh, Bill. Well, your, uh, I didn't know. I really didn't know that Spencer split with Johnson. Yet, you know, I don't watch closely. But, but Spencer. I don't blame you. Spencer was, as I said in my introduction, literally in bed with this Jack Donovan for years. That they oh, yeah. had they had a blog together. Jack Donovan was part of NPI, National Policy Institute, or NPI is Spencer's organization. Um, I don't know if Gottfried has a direct hand in that. Gottfried, Paul Gottfried, the Jew, who was Spencer's mentor for years. Um, so Spencer worked with Donovan for a long time, seven years, I think, or something like that. And, and then this Millennium Woes character who, who has openly admitted sleeping with Thai tranny boys, right? Yes. It, it's, the, the, the infamous thigh hookers incident. Yeah. The, the it, tranny it's hookers. These, yes. these oriental squat monsters that have hormones to grow titties and, and shave their bodies so that they look like girls, but they have penises. And, and sex tourists from Europe and America who are interested in having sex with boy girls fly to Thailand just to do that. Yeah, and I know Millennial Woes has been involved in that, and I believe also uh, the guy who runs uh, the Daily Stormer is also involved in that as well. He, uh, uh, oh, what is his name? I'm well, sorry, I'm Andrew to Anglin has been on Anglin. sex tours That's in right. the Philippines. They That's look right. like Anglin. girls, but you don't know what they really are. The uh, the there there was there was a persistent joke on the Daily Stormer for a long time about uh about whenever whenever Anglin whenever someone tried to get a hold of Anglin for something important and he he couldn't be reached they always said that he's hanging out in his his thigh lady boy fuck shack so they they are all guilty of this too yeah there's there's quite a number of men here who who are involved in that sort of thing but that Facebook group fashy faggots and the rather loose and free circulation of indiscreet pictures is how we know about ghoul and it's how we know about Andy. So let's talk about that. Ghoul is a former member of the death panel, which was the group of people who hosted the daily Shoah, which was the most popular podcast on TRS and the alt-right in general. He's not there Ghoul, anymore. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I believe he has finally parted ways with them recently. I, I think. I have not kept up with them. I believe he is no longer with them, although he very well might be. I'm not sure. Okay. But um, Ghoul was a big name for that reason. He was a member of the higher-ups on TRS. This was their flagship podcast, right? This is what got them popular. This is why we're talking about them at all, is because of the Daily Showa. Ghoul was involved with American Vanguard. And after Trump was elected, he started doing shows where he revealed his face. Shortly after that, he was completely doxxed by Antifa. So we know who he really is. We know where he lives. And we know what university he goes to. 
Nothing I mentioned in this regard is new, by the way. We have we are not doxing anybody on this podcast. No one we've talked about or will talk about. We're not we're not the ones doing this. They have already all been doxed. So no one can accuse Bill of anything untoward on that front. By the way, the fact that Ghoul was still attending college may be a surprise to Bill because I've shown Bill a picture of Ghoul. Ghoul, how old would you guess or Bill how old would you guess Ghoul actually is from his face? I I see him. I, you did show me a picture, but I honestly don't remember, but he has to be in his 30s. So hang on. I'm, I'm pulling up a picture right now of him. I'm going to show it to you. Ghoul is actually, when all of this, when all this fell out and all of this happened, Ghoul was 24 years old. Okay, he's young. <laughs> yeah, and uh, hang on. I don't know if I can... If I can pull up the chat while we are also in a call, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do that. But if you if you if you just Google Ghoul TRS, you can find a picture of his face. He looks 40 to me. It, it's it's unbelievable. The 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 joke about how being a sodomite ages you 20 years is is real. It's not it's not fake. That is that is a very real thing. Um, it's it's actually quite disturbing to see his face and realize how uh, how old he actually is. Anyway, so. Right, he does look like he's 40. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. There were a lot of people who thought he was lying about his age when he started doing the podcasts. No one but really he's still in he university. Was, he was still in university. He was he was in his early 20s. Which is, I mean, listen, the 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 drugs and the sodomy, they they do a number on you. Anyway, Ghoul had this persona that he projected, right? He was big on anti-degeneracy. Everybody who does drugs or watches porn should be thrown out of a helicopter. Zero tolerance policy for anything, gas them all, etc. That was his personality on the podcasts. And he would always brag that he used to be really degenerate in the past, but then saw the error of his ways and got on the straight and narrow. So now it's fine. But he was always really vague about what was actually in his past. And when all of this came out, we found out why. So... A lot of this comes from personal accounts of people who were involved with the production of The Daily Show at the time. They helped make the show. Uh, they interned for it, or they did, they did writing and research for it. Ghoul was doxxed in November of 2016, okay? And it came out that his mother was a lesbian who married another woman. This was known in the higher-ups. They knew that his parents were lesbians, and they tried to hide it. And when all of this came out... Ghoul dropped off the face of the earth for about a month and a half, presumably out of embarrassment and shame. After all, he was the big, mean, internet tough guy who was going to throw all the degenerates out of helicopters and make sure the Holocaust actually happened at this time. And it turned out that his mom was a lesbian. So Ghoul vanishes for a while. And in late January of the next year, in uh, 2017, people were going through the docks and they found out that Ghoul had formerly been in a relationship with a Jewish girl named Natalie Wise. And we have all of her information as well because of the Antifa doxing on Ghoul, which I'm not going to share here, obviously. And not only were they in a relationship, which involved physical intimacy, but they would have a much more serious relationship if they had lived closer proximity to each other. They both admit this. And as people, primarily a poster by the name of Common Filth and a few others, continued to dig it came out that Natalie Wise was actually a tranny. He was formerly a Jewish boy who underwent the surgery and hormone treatment and changed his name to Natalie. So to make this perfectly clear, 
Ghoul, the hardline anti-degeneracy guy who wants all degenerates to be put into a wood chipper feet first, that guy has two lesbian mothers and was having regular sex with a Jewish tranny all throughout his teenage years. Now, to make the timeline clear here, the idwife crisis had already happened a few months ago, back in 2016. And Ghoul was still off the radar somewhere, sulking because the truth came out about his mother being a lesbian. So there was no way to contact Ghoul except by going through Mike Enoch and the other members of the death panel. So when all this stuff about Ghoul came out, some people who still had ties to TRS approached Mike and the other higher-ups and basically said, look, this is all coming out. It's real. We've confirmed it. You should probably get ready for this because when the full docs drops and it becomes widely known, it's going to be a problem. You need to start in on damage control now. And before an episode of The Daily Showa, as everyone was sitting there, we, we have this account from the guy who was the intern there. Uh, and it was, his, his account is actually given in one of the podcasts I linked you to. You may remember it. Everyone was sitting there. People were casually talking about random topics while Mike Enoch was fiddling with the audio. The subject gets brought up that, hey, this thing happened with Ghoul. There's a tranny on Facebook that he had a physical relationship with. Maybe we should start preparing for that or warn Ghoul that this is all going to come out so he can do something. And when that topic was broached, Seventh Son, who was the co-host for The Daily Show, said, I'm not talking about this. I don't want to have anything to do with this and went silent. And Mike Enoch started yelling saying, shut up, shut up. I don't want to hear about this. We are not talking about it. Shut up. And then they recorded the show as normal. And then later, as everyone expected, the docs on Ghoul dropped, but Mike and the others had known about it. And it seems they knew about his past and his relationship beforehand, and they tried to hide it. They refused to address it or confront it, and they tried to ignore it and sweep it all under the rug. And... This ties back to Andy and the reason we're talking about this at all, right? Because this goes back to that Fashy Faggots group and Kissam's hobby of sharing those unsolicited pictures with random people. After all of the tranny stuff fell out, Ghoul did sort of come back, and Mike and the higher-ups naturally welcomed him back with open arms, because of course they did. However, people were still disgruntled about everything that had happened. And Ghoul didn't have many friends outside of the higher-ups anymore because of it. No one took him seriously. His tough guy act was a joke now, right? After a collection of those pictures got leaked from the secret Facebook group, one of them is a picture of Ghoul, clearly holding his phone and taking a picture of himself with his dick out. Because of the ill will that Ghoul had instilled in all, with all of his lies and shenanigans, it got passed around normal circles of people as a joke. Look at this. Look at what Ghoul did. He's such a hypocrite. Also, he's got a small dick. Laugh at him. But the important takeaway is that Kissam and all of the other sodomites in the Facebook group had pictures of it. Ghoul was an active participant in their group, and he had been for a long time. And most importantly, some of the information on that group that was leaked fitted together with some other information that came from Antifa's docs of Ghoul, and it painted a really ugly picture. Everybody who knew Ghoul knew that he had a friend named Andy, but Antifa's doxing of Ghoul revealed that they would often go together on long road trips by car to get to certain meetups and group gatherings, even though plane tickets would have been objectively cheaper. By itself, that's not terribly suspicious. I mean, a road trip can be fun, right? But the problem is the information from the Fashy Faggots group revealed that Ghoul was only not only in a physical relationship with Andy, but that a large number of people in the alt-right were aware of it, including the higher-ups on TRS. 
So all of the people who were making podcasts, or most of them at least, I'm not prepared to throw Tharu under the bus. I don't, I don't know if they were all aware of it, but all the important major people were aware that this relationship existed. Uh, and Andy is underage. At the time all of this came out, Andy was 17, but he had been hanging out with Ghoul for five years, Bill. Wow. So when their friendship started, Andy had to have been 12 years old. 12, Bill. And Kissam, loudmouth Kissam, who, who brags about taking meth and going into an orgy and can't stop talking about all the degenerate stuff he loves to do, Kissam, who runs his mouth, confirmed it directly. And I have a screenshot of that conversation where Kissam said it. Thorne Lockerson directly confirmed with his own mouth that Andy was gay and had been having sex with Ghoul the entire time. And not only had Mike Enoch been aware of this the whole time, but he covered it up. He refused to talk about it. The same goes for Millennial Woes, and the same goes for, you know, Seventh Son and all of the other members of the death panel. Ghoul was not just a sodomite, but he was grooming a catamite, according to Kissam. This is, it's Kissam's admission that this happened, and that's, that's our evidence. If this is all one big lie, it's, it's on Kissam. But this is, this is what Thorne Lockerson has said, is that, yes, he was having sex with Andy, and he'd been doing it for five years. Well, well that's what I picked up. That, that's what I picked up from that those third impact podcasts that that um Ghoul and Greg Johnson were both of course Ghoul was an integral part of Mike Enoch's podcast, The Daily Show Up. Yes. But him and Greg Johnson were open sodomites being promoted by TRS, and it was okay as long as they were on the down low. Now now that is a an American prison term that niggers use to describe um, illicit sexual relations that are kept in a closet because they're all fags in prison, but they don't all want to admit it. Right. And, and that's, you know, to hear that language from a, from a white nationalist to me is repulsive. They're, they're talking like niggers about homosexuality and, and they're, and, that they're approving of it just like niggers do, turning a blind eye to the bad behavior of other niggers because it's on the down low. And, and that's like nigger culture. That's not white nationalist. Right. And, and, and you're exactly right. It is. And I've, and once again, I know I touched on this in the other podcast as well. There, there's a lot of language that the guys on TRS and on the all right use that is cribbed from the way Jews speak and from the way niggers talk too, from that slang and from certain words like kvetch. And I've been trying to, to weed all of them out of my vocabulary. I don't want to talk like that anymore. It's, it's, it's something where if you hang out with them for long enough, you start adopting it, you know, unconsciously, because that's just how absorption works. Right. Right. And, and, but they do do that. They, they all speak like that. They think like that. And this is the gay mafia, right? Which is, they all knew that's, that's my, that's the reason I wanted to talk about Andy. It's the reason I wanted to bring up ghoul, which is they were not innocent and they can't claim to have been innocent. Mike Enoch, all of his friends, millennial woes, seventh son. If they weren't participating in it, they were in on it and they all covered it up. That's, that's the gay mafia on the alt right. If you speak out against these people, you know, you'll, you'll get told. And I know there's one more thing I want to mention here. Um, I know you've, you've met a guy uh, who is one of the podcasters for TRS, uh, Psycho Sacco, who, who runs a, uh, a podcast called The War Room. Uh, could, you, could, you, could you talk to us a little bit about, about Sacco and, and your, your experience with him? 
Well, well, at Shelbyville, we were in, um, my wife and I, and Michael Tubbs and Ike Baker, and, and Michael Tubbs is the big Viking-looking guy at the, at the front of the column in all of the Charlottesville videos. And we were in Michael Hill's cabin, and um, Sacco Vandal showed up, and he started talking up Mike Enoch, and I was like, fuck Mike Enoch, he's a Jew. And to me, Sacco Vandal looked like a Jew. But I said it anyway, and Sacco Vandal tried to sell me some shit. Well, Jesus was a Jew. Jews are okay, blah, 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 blah. He wasn't <laughs> denying that Enoch was a Jew. Right. And, and this is October of 2017. This is Shelbyville. The League of the South is in Shelbyville. And, and it's six weeks, seven weeks after Charlottesville, if I remember correctly. It might have been six or seven weeks. So, so when, when he tried to argue with me that Christ was a Jew, I, I basically got in his face and ran him out of the room and slammed the door on his ass from Michael Hill's cabin. Yes. Good, by the way. Um, the whole conversation was about five minutes, maybe, and he didn't stand a chance. So I heard he got into further trouble later that night because he was looking just for some woman from the League of the South to have sex with. And he picked a 15-year-old girl and made the mistake of picking on a wrong girl because both her parents were armed. So Yes, I've, I've, I've heard that story described. I, I, I believe you told it once before, although not on a podcast. Uh, Probably on the he, chat. He was threatened. <laughs> Probably yeah, on I think the it chat. may have been on the chat. I don't want to get into the details, but Sacco Vandal ended up with a knife wound to the neck from a woman. Yes. Yeah, he, he had, from my understanding of it, he had a knife put to his neck and he fled after trying to hit on the wrong people's daughter. He's a coward. But he, he's not a tough guy. He is tough talk. I mean, I would have buried him that night. I'm, <laughs> I'm twice his size, right? Well, that, that is that is one of the funnier things about him. Him and Johnny Monoxide both are actually manlets. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons that I think they mostly stick to podcasts and they don't show up on videos. Uh, Ghoul, Ghoul may look like a half-dead 40-year-old man strung out on drugs, but at least he's like five foot eight, five foot nine. At least he's not half of a person. <laughs> I don't mean to offend any of your listeners out there who are short. Believe me, however I short don't. you are, Johnny Monoxide is at least six inches shorter than you. So take comfort in that. <laughs> Four but, um, Squat monster territory. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're starting to enter, enter you know, uh, Taco Goblin territory with some of that. But the, the thing, with, the thing with, uh, with, uh, with the Vandal Brothers, with Psycho Sacco, um, they run a podcast called The War Room. Uh, much to my shame, it was one of the only podcasts I listened to regularly. Uh, I didn't listen to all the podcasts they had. I wasn't really that big of a fan of the Daily Showa. I listened to the news podcast they have, and I listened to The War Room. The War Room is a podcast that is supposed to cater to vets and active members of the military. Uh, their their claim is that everyone who is who is a part of the hosting of that of that show is either in the military or is a vet, right? And it's supposed to be a podcast by vets for other vets. And they always pitch themselves as being, we say what we want, we do what we want, we're tough guys, we're manly men, we say fuck, we say nigger, we say kike, uh, we don't censor ourselves, we say what we want, and we make jokes about anything, and that's just the way it is. And if you don't like it, kiss our ass. Right. And that's, that's their persona, right? That's how they, that's how they, they, 
portray themselves as being. That's their 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 stick. Um, Stick's a good word for it, but that's a Yiddish word too. I'm sorry. It is. It is unfortunately <laughs> a Yiddish word. I'm, I'm I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. <laughs> um, so he made a joke on one of his podcasts on the war room. They, they were just bantering back and forth and Sacco made a joke, uh, making fun of fags. He, he made fun of fags. He said that fags in the military are a joke, right? Nobody takes it seriously. They're a bunch of effeminate queers, you know, they're, they're just like women, but worse because you can't fuck them. Right. He uses the, the, the usual language he does. Right. And he actually, there was a there was a thing that occurred where he was made to apologize for this on on his next show, and he did. And it it really stood out for me when I when I heard this apology issued, because Sacco basically admits that Greg Johnson told Mike Enoch to tell him that that's not acceptable, and he thought about it and reflected on it and said, you know what, they were right. That joke wasn't acceptable. I'm sorry, I won't make jokes like that anymore. And then they just sort of glossed over it and didn't talk about it again. But it really goes to show that the gay mafia is real, right? If you make a joke about fags, if you make a joke about trannies, if you make a joke about, you know, faggots being sissies and tripping over each other in the military trying to do push-ups and, and other things like that, the, the mafia don will crook his finger at somebody and whisper in their ear and tomorrow you have to make an apology, right? You, you got to take your statement back and make a public apology with your hat in your hand or else you'll be in real trouble, right? So it's, it, 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 it just goes to show the kind of power that Greg Johnson and his, his group of friends really do have. They, they can exert that kind of influence, and they do. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Bill? Well, well, no, it does seem to be the case that, that um, less and less they, they talk about these moral issues which are crucial to the survival of whites as a society and that they're actually, like you said, they're all just racist liberals. They'll talk about race. They won't talk about any other problems for the, for the most part. Like Greg Johnson wants to continue arguing about abortion and, and feminism even after we have a white ethno state, right? But like those things should ever be debatable. They shouldn't be debatable. That shows that he has a, a basic underlying immorality that's not going to be cured except by a bullet or, or by his own natural death. That's the only way to cure that is death. Right. And I, and I, I think, I, I really do think, I hope that having talked about these things, I, cause I, we, we see this in, in the alt-right and we also see it unfortunately in other spheres. We even see it in, in groups that claim to be more on our side of the fence than theirs where people will say, oh, well, what if they're a repentant sodomite or what if they did that once, but they come back to it or something like this. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Bill. I'm not sure someone can. I'm not, and I'm not saying that in the sense of I don't think God has the capacity to forgive them because I think He does if if they would repent. I'm not sure people like this ever feel sorry for what they do. I've never seen it's 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 like the the sort of mythical idea, right? The thought experiment of what what if someone was a pedophile and a rapist, but then they felt sorry about it and and repented? Would God accept them? Probably, but have you ever seen one though? Well, I've, well I I've understand that. I, I do understand that, but our Christian scriptures 
um, inform us that we must accept people who are repentant. That doesn't mean we have to trust them. You no, don't. I agree. You don't take but somebody who professes to be a repentant pedophile and put him in charge of your Boy Scout troop. That doesn't happen. Right. I just, I, I think it's funny that, that all of these people, they, they say things like, oh, we're celibate. Oh, we aren't like that. But in the end, you're not allowed to talk about it, right? You're not allowed to look into well, it. And if you do talk about it, you are uninvited from your own house. Christians right? are instructed to take unrepentant sinners and exclude them from the community. And, and that exclusion, that's just... Not that that's not just oh you can't come to church on Sunday. No, that is you are out of here. That's what that is. You have to depart, you're forced out of the community altogether. You're cut off for being unrepentant. And that's how we have to treat sinners. So if somebody claims to be repentant and and two years later they're caught with their hand down some little boy's pants. No, that's their last chance. They have to be put out. They're gone. Yeah, and I, I think it's funny that these people do keep writing themselves chances. They do keep making excuses, and they keep lying, and they keep getting caught out about it. Again, like one of the reasons I, I tried to make sure, because believe me, uh, uh, to your listeners, believe me, we could sit here for eight hours. We could probably make a whole series of podcasts just talking about all of the sodomites and homosexuals in the alt-right. But one of the reasons that I wanted to mention um, Thorne Lockerson specifically, one of the reasons I wanted to bring up Kissam, is, is precisely because how Kissam Kissam's important because he ended up sabotaging all of this, right? For, for all of the problems that Greg Johnson has, obviously we don't like him, we don't accept him, we, we reject him, and we reject everything that he does, he's poison. He did, he did have the wherewithal and the subtlety to, to try and keep it a secret. Kissam... Kissam has essentially sabotaged Greg and sabotaged his own fashy faggots group and sabotaged everyone else just because he can't keep his mouth shut, just because he has to brag about how many, how many men he's had sex with last weekend and right. how many drugs he was on when he did it. He can't shut up. He can't keep himself quiet, and he has to share the dick pics around and has to give them not only to his friends but just to random strangers. Hey, here, look at this. Look at what I did. Isn't it funny? Ha ha major look right johnson's trying and, to depict himself as a moral sodomite and and that's an oxymoron also and that there's no such thing as a moral sodomite or a sodomite yeah. that we should ever accept and and i i do think it's it's pretty telling right in the very beginning uh i mentioned that quote from his website and your listeners can go look it up and see all of his articles for themselves if they'd like to, where he, uh, he says, any, I think the movement should disavow people who use the word sodomite. You sound like a fucking snake handler. I think that's, that's pretty telling. He can, he can talk all he wants about nationalism and social conservatism and white nationalism and all of these other things. But, but the thing that makes him angry is when you call a spade a spade. If you call him a sodomite, he gets angry and he gets upset, right? And he starts insulting you, right? Because it stinks, right? Because it's the truth. Absolutely. He, and that's the traditional English term for homosexuals. Homosexual it is a euphemism some Jew concocted. Right. And I, I hope 
just like how we we did the uh, the previous the previous podcast, the the thesis was Mike Enoch is a Jew and so is his wife, and we can prove it. Hopefully, I have proved with this we can we can prove with this that Craig Johnson is is not someone who should be trusted. He he doesn't deserve chances. He doesn't deserve any kind of any any further consideration. And that the gay mafia is real, and he is an integral part of it. He might even be said to be the center of it, although there are certainly other people like Kissim who have their own little fiefdoms and kingdoms that they've carved out inside of it. Uh, the, the the gay mafia is real. It's it's well, very real, and it, it it does affect people, and they they assert their own their own dominance and their opinions, and they make sure that anyone who disagrees with them is shut up. Yeah, you know that this is what. Identity Christians must understand, and and Christians in general, any Southern nationalist who's a Christian, you don't have to be an identity Christian, but any Christian at all should understand that all of these groups, VDARE, AMREN, um, every single one of these alt-right groups, they are that they have sin to the core. They're never going to accept Christianity. They're never going to conform to a Christian society and Christian values. So why would we want to have anything to do with any of them? We should not promote their work. We should not go to their website. No matter how good a speaker they are, we should separate ourselves from these people. We must separate ourselves from these people if we're ever going to please our God in the first place. Because immorality is not going to win at the end of the day. I would these agree. Pe these people are and systematically immoral. They're they're immoral on every level, and I think Ghoul is a great example of that. As more and more information came out about him, it, it was became more and more clear that his 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 hard line stance against what he calls degeneracy was all just a front, right? It was all just him coping with his own life, right? He, his mother's a lesbian and is in a relationship with another woman. He, he dated a Jewish tranny and had sex with it, right? And then, and while in, he was grooming a little boy on the side and having sex with Andy too, right? And, and it, all of this stuff is just a joke. It's one Were people that spoke out against that removed from TRS early on? That's what I heard. Yes, they were. Uh, I, would, I was banned before this happened. I was banned for not being willing to shut up about Mike being a Jew. They banned me for that. So I never got to participate in this particular uh, uh, food fight. Okay. This, this happened after I was permanently banned from the website. Not only was I banned, but all of my posts were retroactively deleted. So none of my content remains on TRS. I used to make some pretty big posts and talk about some things, and I also wrote some, some articles, but all of that's gone. So... I know, I know you had said you had, I think you had mentioned you wanted to talk about Jack Donovan. He's, he's someone that I don't know much about. Um, did you have anything you wanted to say on him? Well, well, he's just, he, he was the one we mentioned him a few times. He was the one that it was an open sodomite promoted sodomy and, and for a long time and was a, um, a partner with Richard Spencer for six or seven years as he began his alt-right career, right? His, his career dabbling in politics and, and public speaking and things like that. And, and the national policy initiative. So Jack Donovan, what was a, a huge influence and, and a partner with Richard Spencer. And, and Spencer, it, it, it might be questionable whether or not he's a sodomite, but he surrounds himself with Jews and sodomites. 
Yeah, he sure is surrounded by them. And I, <laughs> I know for a fact, I know that, that Donovan has had a big, a big hand to play in the men going their own way movements, the, uh, the M- MGTOW uh, movement, because he's the one who, who wrote that book uh, promoting, promoting masculinity and, and independence and separating yourself from society. So, I mean, just in, and it's a pattern, right? There have been accusations since the very beginning of men going their own way that there are, there were gay men in the movement who were, who were trying to groom young men or who were using the movement as a front for their, their own, their own sodomy and their own activities. And I, I, I have, after looking at all these other things, I'm willing to believe that's true. I think that's probably true. I think Donovan was probably doing the exact same thing that uh that thorn lockerson is doing I, with his little facebook group and the same thing that uh that greg johnson is doing with his broader movement they're just they're they're creating or taking over existing pools uh they're they're using an audience and then they're they're manipulating that audience into into essentially serving them and and serving their interests and also using it to pull recruits for their for their orgies and their flings and their relationships I, I have no doubt that uh, that Donovan is doing the same thing. Donovan doesn't hide the fact that he's he's a sodomite. Like uh, like Lockerson, he's pretty he's pretty open about it, right? In fact, I think he's even rather he's he's widely mocked for this quote, but I believe he even said something to the effect of, "It's not gay because I fuck men like like you would fuck a woman, so it's it's not gay, right? right. It's, it's it's different." Yeah, right. <laughs> which is and Mike Cernovich is another is a one. Joke. He, Mike Cernovich is an alt right figure that's also a a sodomite openly. Yes. It, it's incredible how many of them there are. Milo is just the, the poster boy, but there's yeah, Milo, the, the, Milo the whole is truly movement. the poster boy for the alt-right because not only is he, is he an open, is he an open sodomite, but he's also a Jew. It's, it's he, he, he was born for the role that he plays. That's for sure. But I, I hope, I hope that we've proved that. Uh, I, I hope that anyone who's listened to this podcast, you'll understand just how pervasive this is. If you, it's possible if you just if you're if you're innocent and you're sincere, it's possible for you to hang out in some of these areas and not see it. I know I didn't see it for a long time. Uh, I, I freely admit that I'm not some great genius who saw through all of the devil's lies. Uh, I was also taken in by this. I didn't I didn't realize any of this was happening until almost after the fact. But this is this is very pervasive. For all intents and purposes, the alt right is just being used as a front. And I would I would actually agree with something you said earlier, Bill, that all of these people are 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 in on it. I don't think there's anyone in the alt right who isn't a racist liberal. And at the end of the day, you have to make a choice. Either you're a racist liberal or you're a Christian. Which is it? I right? agree. Absolutely. Both. But but if you're a Christian, you shouldn't have anything to do with these alt-right racist liberals. That that's a more much more descriptive epithet for them. Yes, and it is. I mean, there's there's just no fruit to be had there. There's nothing good that it's going to come from it. You're just spinning in circles. They they didn't they haven't accomplished anything yet. I know I know we 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 only briefly touched on it, but I know I know Mike has his own little political party now. Uh, I don't know what they're doing, but I know they can't have accomplished anything serious because I probably would have heard about it. But uh, if you're a member of the alt-right, uh, I would ask you to please seriously consider. These are your leaders. These are, these are the people who control what articles get posted on the websites, what makes it to the front page. 
these are the people who are recording the podcasts. Please take a second look at where you are and what you're doing. Uh, I, I would implore you to. And uh, I would also ask, I know that it may be too late, but I would ask that uh, for those of you out there who are part of Bill's ministry to please pray for Andy. Uh, I don't know where Andy is. Uh, I, I'm one of the few people who actually does know his real name because I've seen the docs. Um, and I'm not going to share it. But I do know that he was preyed upon. It's, it, he was groomed. This started when he was 12. Uh, and a 12-year-old can't be held responsible for something like that. He is a victim. Uh, I, would, I can only hope that God puts some anger in his heart instead of allowing a perversion to take root in it instead. So I, I hope some of y'all are willing to put a prayer on Andy. I, I really hope that he, he grows past this and comes to hate what is wicked in this world instead of becoming a part of it. Absolutely. I would agree. And, and thanks for being here, Dasho. I appreciate it. No problem. And maybe I know we've, we've discussed this, uh, what podcast we might do after this, but uh, just, just to let the, the readers sit in anticipation, I know the two, the two that have come up are we can either discuss the, the, the goofball orthodoxy that has taken over because of Matthew Heimbach, or there was also a, a floated a possibility of discussing the origins of neo-paganism. And, and why that is now a thing that we suffer under and have to put up with. These clowns who go around rattling tin swords and wearing bearskins, as Hitler put it in Mein Kampf. So hopefully we get to make a third one. Uh, if we do, I look forward to it. I'm sure making fun of pagans and <laughs> Matthew Heimbach will be much, much lighter fare than talking about sodomite orgies i i didn't i didn't particularly enjoy this podcast there weren't as many jokes and there wasn't as much banner but i hope i hope we can impress the seriousness of the situation there's nothing there's nothing for you on the alt-right folks there really isn't i wouldn't trust i wouldn't trust these people to to you know i would i wouldn't trust them to hold a shoe for me i really would not well, well nothing and and that's the point i'm trying to get across is that even that the academic um suit and tie image of American Renaissance, the well is poisoned with these Jews and these fags. Absolutely. Like the philosophy that is, is not going to be straight ever. No, that's, and that's, that's relevant because that's the part of it that I was most involved in because I, I am a former academic myself. I, I was, I was involved in the Amran side of it with the Jared Taylor side of it. I, I was never one of Jordan Peterson's, you know, acolytes, but I knew of him, right? I, I followed all of the people who I, I felt were trying to make a, a decent stab, an intellectual stab at it. There, there's, there's no saving these people, right? You, you can't, every single one of these people has put God out of, out of their lives and out of their souls, right? And they're, they're they're going to be naked on the shores of the lake of fire in the end because of it. They're they're they will be stripped down to nothing and they'll be forced to face reality, right? Which is they can't build the kingdom. They don't even know what the kingdom is, and if they saw it, they wouldn't recognize it. Absolutely, I agree. Thank you, Dasho. Praise Thank Yahweh. you as well for having me on, Bill. Praise Christ. Uh, Take care. Praise Christ. Praise Yahweh. Talk to you all next time. Bye bye. <laughs>